Welcome to Be Honest Podcast with Dr. Yana and Dr. Sherry, where we hold honest conversations about life, relationships, challenges, and everything in between with unfiltered discussions with real people offering their authentic stories, experiences, and perspectives. No topic is off limits and no story is too small. Join us on United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are coming to you live yet again, if you were wondering. From United Public Radio Network, 107.7 FM, from beautiful Louisiana, New Orleans. And we're here today, as always, Dr. Sherry and I, Dr. Yana. We are talking today about the relationship of food and ourselves, our approach, attitudes, and perspective toward eating defines our mentality of food, encompassing how we think, choose and consume food, including our awareness of nutrition and overall relationship with what we have put into our bodies and what we're continuously putting into our bodies. Let's discuss that if food has any relations, any affection, well, affection, we have a, uh, affection toward food, of course, in certain types of food, but uh, if that has <laughs> exactly any effect on our bodies, mood, and psyche. So let's welcome that talk. Yeah, I mean, food connects us to everyone in the world. It's a biological necessity. We have to eat. And it's not interesting that anywhere that we go we eat with people and that's just such a universal concept and somehow when you eat with somebody it gives you this intimate feeling of connectedness right yeah it's like its own language it's its own language that's true that's true some cultures are more than others we just get together and celebrate and just uh for the dinners, uh, not so much for lunches, but for dinners, people would just get together, families, and they would talk and discuss. Um, so to me, it was, and it has been such an incredible, uh, heartwarming time to connect with people. Yes, you don't even have to speak the same language, and you can be sharing a meal, and it brings you together. It's a commonality that we all share. That's true. You know, it has been so funny over the years that we used to have friends and uh, we would be spending holidays together, just alternating holidays and for dinners, we would all cook. And the funny thing is that, that would, we would go to their house and it would be, for example, for Thanksgiving, this fantastic, incredible table with beautifully served. Food was marvelously delicious. And then I would just like sit at it and uh, I would anticipate that food and talking with people. And everyone would just sit down, half hour, food is devoured. Yeah, they speak fast and they eat fast and then bam, stuff is gone from the table. And I'm like, just starting my plate <laughs> and our friends would come for the next holiday uh christmas or new years 
and we'll just sit at the table until the last man standing or sitting, right? <laughs> the food will be keep uh, coming and we will just keep eating. And my parents and myself will be observing our guests' plates. And if they don't have, if they have eaten that, we'll just like put more into that. And um, <laughs> that taught our friends that, you know, that's not actually the case. We're not supposed to just devour our food so fast and just be merry on our day, just go on with it. And um, they started to sit longer at the tables. And I remember that the, at the beginning, it was a little bit uncomfortable because why else would you sit? <laughs> because you have eaten already. But it does give you the feeling of connectedness, right? Yes. And it's uh, it, the connectedness that what you just touched upon is a very important too. I've been a chef for over 20 years and I have to remind myself at times to actually sit down and eat because I spent so many years of my life standing and eating and working and moving around and I had not practiced mindful eating at all. Uh-huh. So Sherry, you have mastered the science of eating over the sink. <laughs> Over the stove, over the sink, over the kids. <laughs> over, <laughs> over, over, right? <laughs> not not practicing mindfully at all and um, understanding that that's really not healthy because I'm not even taking the time to enjoy my food. I'm not even taking the time to appreciate what I'm consuming. I do now more so than not, but I still catch myself in that act of sit down and eat. Because my friends will tell me or my family, will you sit down? <laughs> and what is your response? I will. <laughs> I will. I mean, in the future, I will. But for now, I'm standing. Mm -hmm. I've gotten better at it. And I, so we're all capable of changing our mentality on food. But uh, I think that uh, once we have little children at home, that it's absolutely impossible to just uh, have this peaceful <laughs> state of mind and just sit down and eat at the table. I don't think it's possible or you're going to be crazy. Kids are running around, but Dr. Sherry just sitting with her nice plate and beautifully served <laughs> oh, yeah. And she's eating calmly, drinking her coffee or tea. And the children, mommy, mommy, mommy. But I always no. refer to the children as I feel like sometimes I'm a short order cook. Mommy, can I have this? Can I have that? I don't want this. I'm done. Can I have, you know, it's, it's constant. So children bring a lot of light. <laughs> Let's keep it at the light. Right. It is, uh, they are blessing to us. But at the same time, I remember that uh, I would uh, just hear, no, I don't want to eat this. I don't want to eat that. And after the long day of working and doing school and uh, taking care of everybody, and then bam, at the end of the day, my children were like, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat that. And I had to tell them, you know, this is not a restaurant. This is what we have. And this is not the restaurant. So you better eat it or go upstairs, be hungry. <laughs> well, it's good to hear that you have that, you follow that tradition, because I think that's almost with the busy nature of today and social media and the fast paced life that we may perceive. A lot of times, I don't think we sit down mindfully to eat, even with our family. It's... Um, not every family unit is connected. Not everyone sits down to enjoy their meal and see how the day's going. So maybe we can yeah. bring some of that back. And that is a problem uh, in our modern society. It is a problem. You know, that um, what we used to have, even in our Western society in the United States, for example, that we would uh, sit down 
and have a meal together. And the father would come home from from work and the mother is predominantly, like if we look at the 50s, uh, they wouldn't be working. They would be taking care of children in the household and everything would be served and ready. And they would come and they would have uh, a meal, not all families, of course, but what we see on the media, right? This beautiful, beautiful family coming together in the evening and talking. But that used to be the case. However, more and more with our pace, the fast-paced society, we uh not just master the art of eating above everything else, right? Above the sink, children, uh, projects, computers, right? Uh, we're all guilty of that. Uh, drinking coffee or snacking or eating next to our computer, things happen. But we're losing that touch with our families. Mm -hmm. I think it goes in connect. It goes in hand in hand with as we've lost touch with nature. We see so much that's telling us to go out into nature or nature's being brought to us through the internet or through um, social media, whatever it might be, YouTube. We can now access media in our, I mean, excuse me, nature in our home. So instead of just walking outside and looking at the sunset, we can pull it up on the screen, which we know is absolutely not the same thing at all. Absolutely. So there's loss of connection and through this evolution. Loss of connection. And I can see that, uh, Dr. Sherry, I can see that even with my kids, if we run around, if we have different projects or we have some extracurricular activities to go to and we don't sit down, we miss on the opportunity to talk and look into each other's faces and connect in that regard. Because, yeah, we discuss things on the go, but uh, things don't get expressed unless we sit and look at each other and not just into our plate. So that I've noticed is a big omission uh, in my family at least. Have you noticed that as well? Yes, I feel like we've just, uh, we're slowly losing touch with nature, with connectedness with the human condition. We're just relying on input, basically data and input. And we oftentimes we don't even know if this data is correct. But one thing remains the same well, maybe not the same. Nature does change, but on the whole, connected to, to nature is like food. Food changes with regard to molecular structures and how we process food. But on the very simple level, food doesn't really change. It's, it's something we need to eat. It connects us with everybody. Yeah, but uh, thinking about food nowadays... Um, what we prepare probably doesn't change as much, although it does uh, all the fast food and it gets faster and faster, right? Uh, but at the same time, the what we put into those fast foods as well, that matters as well into our table, our dinner table, breakfast, lunch, and dinner table, right? And a lot of the foods are not what they used to be. Many of them are GMOs and we cannot find them here that would not be GMO. This is a very sad concept, uh, running after the profit, uh, in my understanding. We have uh, really let go of the nutritional effect of certain foods, like, for example, corn in the United States uh, is completely uh, GMO. So genetically modified, we can't find corn that is not genetically modified. Just to see what we put into our bodies and genetically modified food, including wheat with breads, is uh, adversely affecting our bodies. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, that, uh, for example, if we look at the European countries and they eat um, 
lots of bread. I used to eat a lot of bread and never gain weight. And to my horror, to my surprise, once I moved to the United States, I was eating the same. I was not overeating. I gained so much weight that I did not even notice that. And why? I discovered because bread is not the same as it is uh, uh, in European countries. And many European countries banned uh, United States uh, grains. Why? Because they're the GMO and they don't want to participate in that. And a lot of things are freshly made and, and don't have the preservatives. I mean, you can have a loaf of bread today from a supermarket that could last you a month. Yeah. Bread, bread's not really technically supposed to last that long. However, not not, I think I've noticed that as well. Mm hmm. Not everybody's going to, this is not in, to encourage everybody to get in the kitchen and start kneading bread and making bread. And it's really just to encourage people to. <laughs> oh, why not? Why not? Why not? Get in That's there. Why not? <laughs> it is a time consuming technical skill. So I know that that's another thing with the mentality of food. Not everybody has the knowledge, the nutritional knowledge or the skill to, to make food, which is, that's another important aspect of food and why people choose simpler, more convenient um, options because they don't know how, but we can learn how. We've been doing it since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of times and things were well, much I guess simpler. Since the beginning of fire. Let me, let me. <laughs> fire, since we got the fire, right? The beginning of times. That is the beginning of times, right? Pretty so. much. I mean, but we did eat off of the land as well, not before animals and all the, before raw meat and, we did take advantage of our land as well. Yeah, but thinking about all those buffaloes and bisons that the, the guys used to bring home <laughs> and women would cook it with the fire. Yeah, so the food was much, much simpler. So how come uh, people did not have that many health problems? Although if we look back, of course, the medicine was not as developed as it is now, but uh, now we are eating seemingly healthier but we have more health problems than before <clears throat> well i think that you're right about the health problems that um with the things that are the, the, i think it's food choice it's the choices we're putting it's the choices we're making of the food we're putting in our body and this doesn't mean you have to go out and buy organic and look for non-gmo there's different options out there you can make your own beans if you wanted to i mean the list goes on and on i mean with regard to making it's making a change i believe to change your mentality of food and not placing so many limitations on yourself i think that's we you know remind yourself when you're speaking you're listening to yourself so everything you say your mind is taking all that information in so it's very important if you want to make a change for the goodness of your health and mentality of food you have to say good things that's true. But how do we approach that after years of uh, established habits already? We just uh, discussed the simplicity of food. And somehow lately I have been really getting back into the simplicity that uh, uh, we used to have before. Uh, eating the simplified foods, not mixing them, not eating too much of the overprocessed foods. So to me, it has been... Um, I return back to something that uh, I used to have a long time ago. And now that I am seeing that it's much, much important for me not to overcook things, not to go really uh, all the sophisticated the food uh, uh, meal preparations. No, it has to be simple. And simplicity 
is uh, the mother of the genius, right? And uh, I'm making it up, right? Who said it? Nobody said it. I'm, I'm saying it. <laughs> I just made it up. But that what is what's working for us because if we look at the food that people used to have before, okay, so there was this uh, the division of uh, uh, socioeconomic division between people, right? And uh, we still have it, but before we had monarchies and the kings and queens, uh, uh, just because they could afford it, they were eating the whitest breads possible, <clears throat> the best meals that they can possibly find. They would employ the finest chefs to cook meals for them. And then uh, the simple folks, they would be eating simple food, dark breads with dark grains, right? And the uh, unprocessed uh, so much foods that the, the kings were eating. And if you look at that, did uh, the kings have a better diet? A lot of them lost their teeth faster than the simple folk that was working the, on uh, on the ground with the ground, and um, creating all these grains and foods for the kings. So, if we look back, we would notice that the simpler the food was, the better it was. Yes. Then how come it is? You know, how, how come today it is such so much more complicating? Because complex foods that we should be taking in, complex carbohydrates, for example, those are the, the, the complexity of food is what we should be intaking. And the simplicity of food has been taken over by convenience, um, processed foods, additives into food, colorings into food that make it appealing to the eye, especially to children. I've heard someone say, the way you know in their supermarkets the way they set up or the grocery store the way they set up the cereal boxes like it comes eye to eyes with the children so they it's, it pops out marketing is a wonderful beautiful tool however it can have damning effects on our society well the marketing effect if we look at it uh, that serves the purpose of what of the companies selling that to the po population right uh <laughs> Not necessarily what is advertised is good. And we have to have uh, our mind just to, to be able to distinguish between what is good and what is not. Yes, and unfortunately, money just drives the market. Well, it drives the, like you said, prescriptions, medications. It's, it's a driver of a lot of things. That's why it's very important to become aware and informed and to alter your or change your attitude about food if food is in fact becoming a part of your life that's making you not feel well, ill, have uh, emotional issues. Because sometimes food connects with people and we get we may feel guilty about eating something. We can't stop ourselves from eating it, but, we'll, but then we feel guilty. We have fear. And that's all coming inside of our bodies. And that's true. Most on many levels. Yeah. And like you mentioned that um, you are what you eat. We are, exactly, we are what we eat. And then uh, by choosing how we approach that change in our lives, and many of us, many of us, uh, we change, uh, of course, uh, our preferences for food and the food preparation. We have different life circumstances that would change our approach to food. So we change all the time. So how do we approach that? Uh, like you Mind mentioned... Mindfully, like you said, uh, 
there are tons of different diets and diets are being sold to us all the time. There are tons of different food pyramids. So what we had in 60s, 70s and 80s is not the fact how we're supposed to be eating now. So we're totally and completely bombarded nowadays by the best choice for you. And how do we know what is the best choice for us? Our bodies are the only ones that know what's the best food for us. So like you mentioned, that we should not be fanatically approaching uh, what's good for us based on what the media and other people are telling us what's the best for us. Yes, there's no quick fix. There's no magic pill. So if it seems too good to be true, then chances it it are. Chances is it is it. That it is. Yes, I'm, that's, I'm trying it is. to use my own words here. <laughs> I should have eaten something. <laughs> But those supplements out there are equally processed. Sometimes I have to remind myself to eat something instead of choosing protein powder or protein shake. Oh, I put add things to the protein shake, but I remind myself oftentimes that that protein mix is also um, modified. It's processed. Absolutely. It is processed. And uh, for example, before uh, the way that I would choose uh, protein shakes, I would also uh, do my research. And uh, I found that the, out of all protein shakes, okay, so the pea protein shake, probably the best, turned out to be that it wasn't. It wasn't. And uh, how do we then go with that? I actually abandoned all of the protein shakes and I just started eating just the raw protein, not raw meat, of course, but <laughs> raw protein, meaning that I would be cooking meats and <laughs> cave funny. woman. Huh? Yeah, cave woman going back to the cage of the Stone Age. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have to have. Uh, proteins uh, um, in our bodies, but the synthetic proteins <laughs> are not so good for us. I'm so glad that I made you. <laughs> you did. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is that the research has shown that eating protein reduces the hunger hormone, uh, ghrelin, called ghrelin, like gremlin, you know, it just keeps uh, you fuller longer. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps you fuller longer and if we just silence those gremlins in our body <laughs> gremlins in our body that we get uh, fuller faster and it takes time for the body to process all these meats and you stay fuller faster so uh, if we have uh, uh, an intention to lose weight for example after all this holidays Thanksgiving Christmas is New Year's uh there is a probably an intent to lose weight uh so how do we approach that um like you said mindfully but what does it involve mindfulness like if we're bombarded but all of that information that is out there how do we approach it a lot of people still diet and then uh, just by mere dieting they uh, rob their bodies of nutrients I think that's why a lot of diets don't work in the end, because if, if you're, you either can be flexible or rigid. And I think people, it's the same thing with working out. If you want to work out, lose weight, gain muscle, you have to, it's, it goes back to that. How do you eat an elephant? One spoon at a time, any mindfulness in life and just mindful eating, it's taking it slow. Even if you change one thing and slowly make progress, not just completely change your diet, start taking these supplements. 
Um, I know right now they have, uh, I've heard there's several or a couple weight loss pills on the market that they've been marketing, but someone told me you have to take it for life. Are you aware of that at all? Like it's a lifelong thing that you have to take the, the pill. So I don't know, but perhaps those would be the sugar suppressed medications, right? Something that is given. That's what I heard uh, okay. for the diabetes, diabetes medication, diabetes two, And uh, those medications, uh, they block the sugars uh, in your body. And that's just how you lose weight. And a lot of people have been using them, including the injections uh, and the pills. However, that has the side effect and that the, is also has carcinogenic effects. Uh, those medications um, give the, uh, there's a potential for throat cancer, for thyroid cancer, for all sorts of hormonal imbalances, if you look at it. So while we do want to lose weight and we want the shortcuts all the time because life is so busy, what is better, your health or to lose that weight and look good? Because yeah. we may not even look good because uh, of all the shortages in our bodies, the hair can fall out and we can be bald. <laughs> so. Not to mention, like, I think going back to what you said, how do we approach this um, mindful eating? It's becoming emotionally aware, nutri having nutritional awareness, um, listening to your hunger cues, your fullness cues, listening to your body. And I think that's what it really comes down to, listening to your body. How do you learn to listen to your body, not just in hunger cues and eating? How do we learn to listen to our body overall? Overall is such an important way because sometimes we can't even uh, uh, trust our bodies. Our bodies will tell us to crave certain foods that are not good for us. And that would, uh, crave, we would crave crazy carbohydrates. <laughs> Well, what happens tongue -tied is here. I'm eating when, when we eat a certain amount, when we eat a certain type of food, the body learns to change the, I believe it's the biodome, your gut learns to change what it's, it, it adapts to what you're consuming. That's why I think slowly entering into a health conscious mode of eating is what's important. Mindful eating, taking your time and not just overloading the gut of like, okay, now I'm going to take everything that I've ever eaten out. I don't think you have to eliminate much in the diet as long as you do it mindfully and you have portion control you can still eat carbs you can still enjoy your life you don't have to cut everything out unless you have certain food allergies as well and that yeah. is a huge huge topic of conversation because i which we're probably not going to delve in today but that that should be mentioned that with the food allergies they can uh, uh change the hormonal balance in your body as well because if you eat something that is not good for you it will throw your entire system off and those food could be avoided at the very beginning but at the same time eating in moderation or just like introducing those foods little by little uh, that is a better approach than avoiding them completely because that's the, even psychologically with different concepts that we introduce or change certain behaviors, we have to do the exposure to certain unpleasant uh, conditions in order to change ourselves. So the same with the food. Uh, I, uh, I still carry the EpiPen with me, but I started eating uh, certain foods just in very small quantities, just to make sure that I'm doing all right. And uh, to tell you the truth, uh, severe 
uh, allergies to certain foods, like for example, carrots that I used to have, I no longer do because I started introducing them little by little and my body got used to it. I'm not advocating for that as well. We are here on this podcast. We are talking about, in general, we are not uh, necessarily the nutritionists, uh, uh, but uh, the good and healthy approach to the food choices is absolutely important. And Sherry, like you said, that yeah, you're a chef, uh, but you're not a nutritionist. But nevertheless, you're such a fantastic chef. I remember after 20 you, years, I better be always tell people, you, like, you, you cook you so be, good. Right? I'm like, well, I've spent most of my life doing it. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that you have a certain approach to that, that uh, we mortals don't really do that. And I guess that goes for the high end chefs like yourself. I remember you made a six course meal for me and my friends. And uh, one of the first ones was the lobster bisque soup. And you put those those small portions uh, for all of us, not small, but the um, manageable, manageable. That's what you have designed for us for that day. And then uh, you put it away. And of course, like we cleaned our palate between every uh, food. And I remember that you said, oh, um, at the end, well, we still have lobster bisque soup. I'm, I'm going to just throw it away uh, because I'm, I'm not supposed to uh, put it in the fridge anymore. You're like, how can you do that? This is a sin. This is so horrible. Give it back to me and I'm going to eat it. Because that was so marvelously made and it was so delicious. But at the same time, there are um, rules on how to treat your food, for how long it should be frozen. And uh, the shell, um, what is this? The shell, um, shell time. Head? Shelf life, there, mm -hmm. shelf life. All the products that live on the shelves. <laughs> Here's the shelf life. <laughs> well, we should not be so fanatic about the shelf life of certain products, the meats, the proteins, so they have to be approached carefully. How we do that? Because that can also affect uh, our systems if the meat is not uh, fresh. And then by eating that protein, it's not going to give you any benefits other than uh, just uh, eating some dead meat, so to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> if it's still mooing, then you might want to be moving. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that to be sens insensitive. I'm, I, I love all diets, <laughs> vegan, vegetarian, <laughs> whatever you choose to do. I mean, whatever you embrace, whatever makes you go to sleep with a good conscience. That's um, I believe all food should be cherished. I believe all animals should be treated humanely when they are processed. So um, that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother show with regard to that. So maybe we can turn it to attitude here. Well, with the attitude, yeah, you have a certain attitude here, Dr. Sherry. Look at you. Uh, well, with the attitude, you know, what is? Can we sit here and enjoy our food? Or are we going to sit here eating this ice cream, thinking negatively the whole time I'm eating it? You know, I shouldn't be eating this, but I'm not going to stop. But I'm gonna... <laughs> you know, it's just, and, and we're telling ourselves these things, and it's it's not good to tell ourselves negative things. We forget that we're listening. But forget that we're listening. You know, it has been my observation that on Thanksgiving morning, I would see 
probably the increase, 80% increase in people running on the streets. And I was take my dogs out. People are running. They are shedding those calories ahead of time, ahead of the Thanksgiving meal. Or they would go after, or even the next days, the gyms would be completely packed. And the interesting difference between us here and then um, European culture is that they would enjoy it. They would enjoy, they would just sit and not feel bad about what they eat. And that would um, be, that would be not really so much of the mindful eating, but enjoyable eating. It's appreciation. It's appreciation. It's sitting with yourself and the family and eating something that gives you pleasure because pleasure itself creates endorphins and uh, makes you feel happy. But if you're eating that food, like you said, you have to know, you have to catch yourself of what you're thinking while you're, while you're eating food. Well, that's the thing. If you're going to sit there and be negative or to have uh, uh, guilt and fear wrapped around what you're eating, it's not doing you a service. You're doing a disservice to yourself, which becomes most likely manifested in other areas of your life. How you view your body image, how you view others, how you compare yourself to your outsides to somebody's or your insides and outsides to others. Uh, it just that negative mindset around food gears us in a it, it changes our perception of others and our perception of food. And, but I think, you know, there's a food addiction. It's big. If we want to wrap, go into that with the body image and the positive and negative, I believe it's most likely one of the hardest addictions to overcome because we have to eat. Well, to tell you the truth, Dr. Sherry, the hardest addiction that the latest research shows to overcome is love. Oh, love for other human beings. And uh, uh, I guess ingredient to life. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but at the same time, what is love? Love, if you love food, for example, but that could be the instant gratification, correct? So are you trying um, to tell me I now need to live on love? <laughs> you need to live on love. And somehow when you I'm so love, full, <laughs> so full of myself, <laughs> so full of love, <laughs> so full of love. Yes. <laughs> but that is uh, uh, important because the like you said, the addiction to food um, can be so detrimental. And we know that we know that every single human being on this earth, we know what we eat, what's good for us, what is not good for us. And if we don't know, our bodies will definitely show us. And that has been my, my conviction for a long time. It doesn't mean that I would uh, just immediately throw away that is everything that is not good in my house and start eating healthy. Like, for example, this morning, I, um, I made very unhealthy choice of eating with the uh, with with my coffee right for the for breakfast what did i do instead of my usual eggs and cheese and proteins and avocado i ate challah bread <laughs> just ate that sweet challah bread that felt good and i did not feel any guilty about it however what's going to happen after that you're going to be hungry again because you had I'm no gonna protein. I'm going to be hungry again. I did not have protein. And that quick fix that I had this morning, uh, yes, gave me uh, energy, of course, um, short producing burst. sugars. Short, exactly. And then after that, uh, before even the morning is over, I will be hungry again. 
So research actually shows that um, confirms that saying, if we remember that, eat breakfast um, yourself, share lunch with your friend, and give dinner to your enemy. Have you heard that? No, but I like it. I, mean, say that I don't have that many enemies, so I, I mean, I have to start finding some. <laughs> you have to cook this delicious dinner, Sherry, as the fantastic chef that you are, and just go find an enemy and just give it to them. <laughs> I hate you. Here you go. I love you. <laughs> that is so good. You eat living on love. <laughs> you eat all you can. <laughs> Take it. Eat everything, right? Well, service to others is really the what the, the paramount of existence. Loving, learning to love ourselves and then serving others in the world. So that's a part of food. It's service. But how would they distinguish uh, in our society that teaches us of acceptance of everything that we are, even our n negative qualities? How do we then get on the path of bettering ourselves of what is good for us so, so for example approach, you're saying how how do we approach it for example we uh i always see this um posted somewhere here and there that oh i love every pound of mine you know no you don't no you don't this is the self-deception <laughs> And if there are other people, like, for example, that the 500 people with you, all your friends are 500 and 1,000 pounds, right? Uh, yeah, you surround yourself with people who are eating, who are making probably bad choices, who also can have hormonal imbalances, but are not checking that, right? Who are making poor choices of eating and then you are in the same company, you will be the same. You will be the same. You will not even make, be making the healthy choices for yourself. So when people say, oh, I love every pound of mine. Yeah, perhaps you are lying to yourself because all that obesity is in fact affecting every single cell in your body, including uh, uh, the muscles and the joints and internal organs, everything. And if you saw, for example, the the shows uh, are uh, on the podium, the model shows with the really obese uh, women and men wearing the clothes that what the skinny models would wear. That is not pretty at all. It is not, even if we say that we are accepting of ourselves, where do we draw the line of accepting ourselves? Where? It is good to accept ourselves in every way possible, but if there is something that is negatively affecting ourselves, then it is not positive, even if the society is, t is telling us that it is. Well, I think that uh, comes with like social media, mass media, the things that are being put out there. And so I know there are in some cases there are genetic things that uh, occur in people's lives that, that may cause obesity or uh, the inability to lose weight for some genetic condition. So in those regards, yes. But if we are praising um, something that can kill us or harm you, I think it's definitely better to uh, reshape that thought and take the approach, like build healthy habits, intuitive eating, uh, seek professional help, journal, take small steps to approach uh, mindful eating. Like you said, we are what we eat. I don't just look at eating as a cons just consumption. 
We consume so much. We consume, we consume people's words. We consume people's images. All of these things are something we metaphorically consume and it alters how we view ourselves and the world. So if we're going to praise something that is not healthy for us, and I think that's across the board, not just with obesity, it's so many things of how we look, what we eat, what diets we have. But you have, you're, you're, have a great point there. You know, I've uh, noticed uh, some time ago when I was, um, uh, I just uh, gave birth uh, to my second child and I was um, in, um, I was weighing more, of course, than I do now. And um, I remember just by going to the physician uh, and of course, being overweight, I could see that uh, the ladies that were sitting behind the check-in desk, they were all pretty much uh, had a lot of weight on themselves. And uh, this um, sitting jobs are not, of course, uh, they don't promote the healthy um, lifestyle either. But what sedentary. happened? Sedentary, right. And it was my uh, observation that for all this time that I was uh, going there and being big, of course, be, being pregnant, and then after that, uh, giving birth and still be big because you don't shed the uh, your baby fat just like right away. I've noticed that they were so uh, friendly with me, so absolutely friendly. I was their first friend, but then a couple of months later, I exercised, I lost all that weight, and I came in with my child, with my two-month-old daughter, looking fit, and I shed all that weight and all. The attitude toward me changed completely. That was not the first friend, and that was very cold. And um, while, and I understood while I was a part of uh, them and their world, looking the same, that was okay. And once I stopped being looking just like them, I became sort of like an enemy, you know, that unacceptable because I was a reminder of, to them of what they could be. And it is so important to go and observe that uh, on everyday basis. And we don't even, uh, I know many people can say, oh, this is just judgment. It is not judgment. Although we do have to have, we're like human beings. We do have the judgment in us, but not in a bad way. We have to be able to observe everything around us and make a judgment on how to deal with certain situations. So that is not a judgment because in my, for myself, I also, uh, when I gain weight, and I do once in a while, I what happens is that I look at other people and I admire them. I'm like, oh, why don't I look like that? Why don't I look like that? Go out and exercise. You know, go join the gym. Do it at home. You don't even have to have a gym well, membership. I also, I, I'm gonna, um, I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm gonna interrupt you and say that just because someone's thin does also, I think there's a misconception. Because I've been thin most of my life, but I, I I work out and I eat well. However, if I didn't, I may not be. But a lot of people are saying, well, you don't have that problem. You're skinny. Oh, oh what are you talking right. about? You'll never gain weight. So there's also, in addition to people who feel shamed about being obese or worried about their weight, the comments that are made to people who are who don't struggle with weight are equally as damning. Because just because... I may be gen genetically predisposed to not be as obese as someone else doesn't mean I'm looked at. I'm often looked at in a negative way. Like you're saying, like some people will look negatively at people because, because maybe they're um, working harder for their body or, or not. It really just takes mental change. 
you can do it. If you're, you have to be patient and you have to be willing, just like with anything in life. If you're willing to learn a new skill, taking care of yourself and your health and consuming food is a skill. You can learn and you can change. But what happens is we make these commitments to ourselves, these New Year's resolutions. We're going to commit to ourselves and we commit to other people. But what happens is we get stuck in that old pattern. We don't want to go left after going right. And we, we get in that stagnant rut. We just keep furnishing the rut and we lose integrity, not just the integrity to others, but we lose integrity for ourselves, right? Because we break that commitment to ourselves. Because let's face it, it's a lot easier just to sit around and be convenient, scroll through social media. It's a lot easier to do that. However, is it really easier to deal with the mentality that comes with it? The hardest part, I believe, of anything is starting something, writing a book, writing a paper, writing a poem. If you're not a writer, um, I don't know, riding a bike, something to do with writing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Eating. Absolutely. Just starting. Starting is, I think, the hardest part. The first, what is it? The, there's the quote. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. You know? And that is why. Yeah, that is why we have to, like you said, eat the elephant with a spoon. <laughs> One bite at a time. One uh -huh. bite at a time. Mm -hmm. I hope people don't eat elephant, elephant meat. Do, do, do certain cultures? It's, it's, eat a, it's a metaphor. It's okay. No, okay. we don't eat elephants, and hopefully not. They're such emotional creatures. Fantastically they emotional. Are. Yes, all they animals are. are. They all animals, all animals are. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, we <laughs> are live on United Public Radio Network, one hundred seven point seven FM. And I'm Dr. Yana with incredible Dr. Sherry, and we are talking about food and the real, our own relationships with food. So I'm glad that you're here with us today. We're welcome uh, any questions or comments, so please don't be shy, don't be shy. Just show up and ask us questions or a comment or anything. We... Yeah that for the um real, our own relationship with food what about the unconscious relationship that that's really important too like it's a lot of things are unconscious our habits our routines our eating patterns the cravings the cravings um yes environmental well, like triggers it, social media that's true uh, but uh, getting back to eating the elephant the spoon by spoon, I think it is absolutely important to take that task of uh, uh, either losing weight or even approaching your, your habits, eating habits and to make them healthier. We just have to do it day by day, day by day. And if we set this huge goal in front of ourselves that the, this is my new year resolution to eat healthy, you're going to die hungry for Pete's sake, because uh, what we do, if we, if we don't have a plan, then all of the healthy choices are going to go down the drain. Because I remember myself, I had, uh, I said to myself last year that, oh, I'm going to eat healthier, healthier, <laughs> not that I was eating bad. Uh, no, I wasn't. But healthier, I thought, okay, that, um, you know, what, what, what I can do is uh, to introduce uh, more greens to have more green shakes. Um, and I would buy all of that stuff and I would just stuff my fridge with it. And what do you think? Not even touch it and it would just like rot in the fridge and I'm like, okay, tomorrow, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow and tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. 
it's only today. If you don't do it today, then tomorrow may never come. And it never came for all those greens. You know, I kept buying them and putting them in the fridge and not using. So what's important to understand is that um, we have to do it now. If we say that we will start the diet tomorrow, it's lying to ourselves. Or tomorrow I'm going to eat healthier. It's Again, it's lying to ourselves because what we do, we do it today. <laughs> I saw the funny meme, the, the older um, old man and, and the woman, the husband and wife, they were eating something like really fast with the uh, crumbs all over the floor. And the grandma like said that, oh, um, we have to be eating fast. Let's eat. Let's finish everything fast because our diet, our new year resolution starts in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That is funny, but I, I, that's what I think is so, um, there's another, it's like the misconception of new years. It's like waiting. What do you go? Do you really wait all year to make the resolution? That's why they also have a couple things on social media about the gym. Like the gyms are packed in January and there's outrageous people working out and it slowly slenders off. And a lot of these people who stop going to the gym actually keep a membership for like a, a, a long time, but they never go. Happened to me the whole it, year. I didn't go, kept the membership. Mm hmm. It's that it, happens. It, it's sometimes and when you start the gym, if you stop again, it's 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 not really natural to get up or to do your day and go somewhere where you have to lift weights. I mean, it's not a part of our everyday job. So it's really a conscious choice. You have to consciously make the effort to to go to the gym. I think even if you don't want to go to a gym, it starts with making conscious choices about your food. You don't have to necessarily work out and become a, you know, a bodybuilder or you don't have to go to a gym. You can simply walk if you choose to exercise, which I think is equally important as eating. However, I think just making food choices, better food choices will help you with your diet. And like you said, don't try the quick fix. Don't just go get all these greens and expect that you're just they're going to cook themselves. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Well, just like it was so difficult for me even to throw them in a blender, you know, like tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. That's why it never came. Tomorrow never came. Yeah, it's amazing how much we will blame everything around us and everything to evade responsibility, to make excuses. And we're it's just we're masters of deception <laughs> of ourselves. And, you know, the only only person we're hurting is ourselves. We, 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 and we, re, and that's, again, that's what we call, like, I would say furnishing the rut. We have this rut, this stagnant rut we're in, and we just keep furnishing it. We can't stand ourselves. We don't want to look at ourselves. We're constantly comparing ourselves and, but we're not going to make a change. If you don't make the change, you're going to stay where you are. And you know, so many people actually do. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine was also complaining yesterday. Oh, she's like, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. I'm so fat. And I hear that day after day and uh, year after year, you know, when, when we meet. And what do you do for that? Uh, and she's like, she's a good friend of mine. But she says that I, uh, but I can't stop eating. I love food. So uh, we don't gain anything without a sacrifice we should always remember that there is a sacrifice in anything that we do and unless we do sacrifice we're not going to go anywhere with that so yeah well we want to make ourselves feel comfortable and our entire society is built with all the products that we are bombarded by this by that to make yourself comfortable right i just looked at the 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 number of the shapes of the pillows 
available on the market because I was searching for one. And I was it just just blew my mind away. Like what happened to us a long time ago when we slept uh, and didn't even think about it. Now there are tons of different kinds of mattresses, pillows, different kinds of foods to choose from. But what do we do? We have to sacrifice. And in order to do that, for example, instead of going to a party, we can choose to use that time and to go to the gym. And exercise is, in fact, reduces the insulin resistance. And if we're thinking about losing weight, exercising will help us to reduce insulin resistance, no matter what they say. You know, I I see that a lot. Oh, so many different coaches um, they would say, oh, no, this is your hormones. We'll play on hormones. Another one, oh, this is for a lack of exercise. Another one would just say, oh, you're not exercising correctly. And then, bam, like you think and you sit and think that you're a complete idiot. You don't even know what to do because everybody else around you, they do know how to approach things. And you're sitting here and you don't know. You have to just think for yourself. What is the better way? Use the rational mind and not go mindlessly and exercising, uh, not even knowing what it is for. Well, and Correct. a lot of people, I think with that struggle with body image, like I have a, uh, quite a few people in my life who are overweight and they love themselves. And I am so grateful that they love themselves and they care for themselves. They're also doing what they, they do make choices and sometimes they stumble, but uh, they still do the, do make the choice to keep trying over and over. So I give them credit for that. As long as you keep trying, even if you stumble, you can get back up again. Not everybody wants to go to the gym because they're so afraid of what people think of them. And that's okay. You don't need a gym. Even if you walk to the kitchen, I think just slowly changing your lifestyle, do something you're not um, used to doing. But if, and, and when you make the sacrifice, keep the sacrifices simple, keep life simple, make simple sacrifices. If you usually sit down for four hours, you know, walk around for 15 minutes, five minutes at a time. Slowly, your body will start to tell you, this feels good. I like this. And when you start doing something, I believe for yourself and you set an intention, I believe that's what helps to build the confidence. I see people of all shapes and sizes. I work out at the gym here and there are people as old as they're in their nineties. So age, shape, we're not there to look at other people. I mean, this gym, we're not. I mean, I know it can, some people refer to it as a meat market, right? But if you go with the intention to work out, don't try not to worry about what other people think of you. I know it's easier said than done, but do it for you, not for the people in the gym. Nine out of 10, the way you think everybody's thinking about you, they're thinking about the same thing, what you're thinking about them. Nobody is really focusing on you. We focus on ourselves, but let's change that focus. Right, teaching our focus, and that is the most difficult thing to do because we're conditioned by our society to and when we keep telling ourselves. ourselves. We keep telling ourselves the same narrative and we leave the same narrative all over. Uh, and we need to change it. We have Alex uh, commenting, he said, the mentality of eating properly, exercise, and healthy lifestyle is the first step before taking the first steps. That's right. Thank you, Alex, for taking the plunge. Yeah, and then he says, uh, walking and exercising, that's the second, and your body will reward you. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I've noticed that even, 
it's so simple. Nothing, everything is uh, complicating has to be simple. Um, the only complicated thing about food you should be worried about is the complex carbs. Focus complex. on those complexities. <laughs> so what are the complex carbs that we're sharing? Well, your grains, veggies, uh, fruit, those simple carbs would be like your sodas, pizza, mm -hmm. cookies, brownies. So the things that are simple for us to attain, that's kind of how I try to remember between complex and simple carbs. If it's easy to get, you don't have to grow it, right? You don't have to grow a, a Skittles in a bag. You can just go buy it. But you actually have to grow raspberries. And I mean, we don't personally grow them. But I, mean, <laughs> but I think that's the only complexity around food is to focus on the complex things that you put in your body that are good for you. Yeah, you're right. The complexity, those complexities, they have to be eliminated. Uh, I remember that I started growing microgreens and it is so fantastic. <laughs> and you don't even have to have a lot of time to do that. You just like put it on. And over the years, I found so many different sophisticated containers. All I had to do just to put it right on the plate and they would grow, right? And yeah, sprouts are like that. Sprouts, exactly. The microgreens, sprouts, yeah. that is that is so healthy for you or even if you don't have time or even desire to do it just grab it at the market and uh not only that we think that it's healthy but it changes us on the cellular level because we are eating the sprouted grains and sprouted grains just give us life mm -hmm. yeah we again we are what we eat or like um that i don't know how to say his name very well it's like brilliant savian savian He's from the 19th century. He's a, he wrote the physiology of food or something. I think we, uh, it's in the blog. We have a blog. We also have a website you can visit at beyondhispodcast.com. You can find it there. But he says, tell me what you eat and I'll tell you who you, what you are. Same, like you say on the cellular level. It always brings us back. We are what we eat. What you consume changes, on, changes you on a cellular level. In addition to how you think. Yeah, I've noticed, you know, I use that the phrase, uh, that saying, but uh, in regards to friends, tell me, who, tell me who your friends are, and I will mm -hmm. tell you who you are. It's always been the case with me. I would just uh, observe who your friends are, who you associate yourself with, right? Mm -hmm. And spend time with, and then I'll tell you who you are. And it never failed me. And the same thing is with food. Tell me what you eat and I will tell you who you are and what you are. There, there are predictions, there are scientific medical predictions of if you eat in a certain way, what you are going to be in the near future and in the distant future and how fast you are going to age as well. Absolutely. Like when we say that we're beyond us podcast uh, relationship talks, relationships are very broad. Relationships are not just between two people. You have a relationship with food. You have a relationship with yourself. Relationships are more than one yeah and well, maybe <laughs> I don't know. well it is good to, to have a relationship more than one that if, <laughs> if we're not talking about human relationships other than that we just have to be faithful to ourselves and to our partner however here um being faithful to ourselves also involves uh, educating ourselves right Absolutely. We have to educate ourselves because if we consume dairy products, for example, uh, our dairy products come from uh, uh, a lot of the times, if we're not consciously choosing our markets, they come uh, with heavily loaded uh, with hormones, with growth hormones. And then if we feed um, 
milk, uh, if we give milk to our children from the cows that were treated, uh, hormonally treated, uh, then we are feeding our children hormones that are not, they're not supposed to be having. That is why when we look at them, uh, our teenage uh, children, we can see that they're developing much faster nowadays than they used to. And that has a lot to do also with hormones uh, from the meat, from the proteins that we eat. And that is very sad. Uh, why do we use those hormones in order to uh, uh, make the young animals gain weight faster, right? And then uh, reduced waiting time, increase milk production. So do we think that by running so fast after the efficiency uh, is would give us the health benefits, it will not. So while those foods uh, that uh, come from the cows that are not hormonally treated, they may be uh, more expensive. I'm not advocating for just like eating everything organic or just like going to that extreme of uh, not being not not buying meats that are hormonally treated, but uh, or what well, antibiotics? We have to be conscious and understand what stands behind it. Yeah, what is it? Is it um, does it contribute to sustainability? However, a lot of people they, that's not a care. Some people just don't care, or they're just so they're not they're just misinformed or not informed. And some people, as you said, they don't have the resources to be able to spend more money on things that don't have hormones. So even if you have to consume such products, it all comes down to mindful eating. Because I think some people, it's it's kind of like politics, but I don't want to bleed off into that because that, that's a whole nother show again. But it's just, it reminds me of just preference. Some people just don't care. They don't care about the planet. They don't care about themselves. It's a reflection all, all uh, encompassing. Absolutely true. <clears throat> the mindful eating has to come, uh, has to, well, we have to attack the mi mindful eating from every angle. <laughs> <laughs> Psychosocial, physical perspective, we just have to be able to uh, stop and ask ourselves, what is the goal that we're trying to attain here. What is the goal? If the goal just uh, to feel better about ourselves in the new year, then uh, um, the certain foods that uh, we choose uh, uh, don't have to leave our table, right? If I want to feel good about it. But for example, uh, like you mentioned, make this portion smaller. And by just making our portion smaller, we would be able to alter our diet significantly. And that is, can have a, a cumulative effect, right? Oof. What's going on there, Dr. Sherry? What is it's thundering. It's raining in New Orleans. It's thunder. Hopefully the electricity will, like everything will stay uh, functioning. That was so loud. I've never seen thunder in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you see the lightning and you feel the thunder. That's the thunder roaring. It doesn't happen with every storm, but we have a, a storm that's passing through here. But I think another topic to, to talk about is like overeating because overeating doesn't always, it's not always physiological. A lot of times overeating can be 
uh, psychological or environmental tr they're triggering. Some people overeat to cope and don't even realize that they're using food to, to minimize their pain. Well, why? Because it feels good. And what happens is that when we eat those quick foods, like for example, ice cream, right, or some cookies, they do give us the quick fix and we feel good about ourselves. I There was a study done that um, women who did not have much love in their lives, they were eating chocolate. So that's very interesting. A substitute for love in their life, but why? It produces the same hormones of happiness at the same time. So yeah, chocolate can be a good substitution. All the chocolate has to be correctly chosen as a dark chocolate that has antioxidant effects uh, and not any kind of chocolate that is loaded with bad sugars. And milk, the milk chocolate, white chocolate, um, it has a lot of sugar added in milk. That's why it's so good. That's why a lot of people opt for those choices. I personally love dark chocolate. However, people have different preferences. Yeah, there's but even the red chocolate. There's even pink chocolate. It's naturally pink. It's called Ruby. What it's is really it made pretty. with? It's basically white, like white chocolate. It's actually that the the. It's actually pink. Like it comes. Uh, the cocoa is pink. So it's um. It's, the it's cocoa just, beans themselves yes. are pink. Well, it's like it's, it produces a pink outcome instead of white. So it's called ruby chocolate. It's it's new on the market, but when you're using it, it's um it's not like dark chocolate or anything. Interesting. Is it healthy at all? Well, not what's added to it, no. Ah, oh, what is added to it? Okay. <laughs> I hope those companies that are producing all this pink chocolate are not going to come after you, Dr. Sherry. <laughs> oh, no, because I, I produce chocolate myself. <laughs> Well, I don't myself. actually, I don't produce it. I purchase the chocolate and create with it. Yeah, I don't right. produce and it. I don't grow my own uh, Theobroma uh, <laughs> beans here. And I don't, I don't have trees. I don't have chocolate, cacao trees here. Uh, <laughs> I don't roast and um, do all the process of from the bean to the bar. Uh, you know what? I started doing that. I love coffee so much. So I started buying green coffee and just roasting it myself and nice. uh, uh, drinking it. Fantastic. It's so good. It's so delicious. See, that's so mindfulness towards something you're consuming. Just making an intention that's positive can reshape us. Just a small positive change. And that's what we should be striving for, small positive changes on the consistent basis. And if we think that, oh, uh, it is possible, you know, when we feel good, oh, when I feel good, I give myself all sorts of promises. I love giving myself promises. Oh, I'm going to do this, this, and that. And life is good. And then, bam, you know, I did either I didn't have breakfast or I didn't have dinner. And like, I feel so bad. Where's that enthusiasm going to? And I re reach into the uh, cupboard and like, okay, where's cookies? I think there's nothing to eat in this house. And there's always all these good choices of food. But at the end of the day, to have this quick fix, fix for example, I go and like, where's the cookies? We don't have anything sweet to eat. Why is that? Because I get rid of all of that. So I wouldn't even have to have it in my house, right? <laughs> but it takes effort. It takes effort. This is what you have to do because you will have a, a weak moment in your consciousness that you will want to eat something like that. And while it is not so bad, while well, we shouldn't punish ourselves severely for it, we have to make a deal with ourselves. Like, for example, that um, 
I remember that when I was on a diet a uh, uh, long time ago, what I would do is that um, I would eat uh, on the weekend. And the weekend, uh, I would cook nice, wonderful uh, meals that I love. And interestingly enough, I would still lose weight. Uh, so that, um, in my understanding, is a better approach just to make a deal with yourself. Because uh, if you're using the stick and hit yourself all the time that you have to be on course you have to stick to your plan it's like treating a slave why would you want to do that you have to become your own friend and make a deal with yourself after several days of dieting for example limiting your portions uh the weekend or some other days of the week are better to indulge a little bit and that is absolutely okay it's like uh, deceiving your body, tricking it uh, um, into thinking that, oh, there's actually enough food in my body because with dieting, we can reach the plateau and our body would actually think that uh, uh, we are in a survival mode. So that's why many diets, while they do work, it sometimes can get uh, very difficult. And then after those diets, like you said, uh, people gain weight immediately. And I'm not just that as well. But I, I think if you, when you say after the diet, why are you ending the diet? You know, that's what I don't understand. Like, if you're starting a diet that works for you, why does it have to come to an end? Because I have noticed that, uh, and actually, so after so many years of uh, experimenting with food, what I should be eating, what I should not be eating, I have come to the realization that my food, my relationship with food, does not have to be diet once in a while. What it has to be, it has to become a lifetime approach to food. It has to become your conscious everyday uh, relationship with food and foods that you like to eat. Uh, meaning that um, what is good for you has to become your, uh, um, your life goal. So it shouldn't be a uh, diet per se that will end in a month or two uh strict diets but it has to become your lifestyle and i have uh, created that for myself that those foods that i eat they are my lifestyle once in a while i will indulge in some uh good uh, ice cream and some cookies of course and the cakes I'm, I'm a human being of course like everybody else you know i love it i love it and love it but at the same time it's a lifestyle it has to become a lifestyle otherwise we will always be in a yo-yo effect with our bodies uh and then uh, psychologically accepting and not accepting ourselves when we, we don't look too good to ourselves in the mirror and then that would be unhealthy so it has to become a lifestyle don't you think I agree. It needs to become a lifestyle. And a lot of people think I'm just so busy. If you're that busy, then you're not, chances are you need to make a change so you can learn to create something that's beneficial to you. Stop for a moment. You don't have to smell the roses. Maybe there's something else you could smell, you know, but you could, um, like what, <laughs> like what? vanilla essence, no French, fries, but <laughs> French fries, just smell, just smell the, <laughs> <laughs> the what? beauty of being just you know just you, you don't have to stop and smell the roses but i think you have to stop in life it, it, i'm too busy i'm too this i'm too that all of those things again you're listening to all these limitations you're placing on yourself 
my foot hurts. Well, we will make, I think we can create anything for ourselves to not reach our goal. And we're masters of it. We'd rather stay stay the same. Absolutely. I think Jung says it's going to be painful to come to the consciousness. It doesn't mean there has to be physical pain. It could be just a metaphorical representation of the pain of changing. Change oftentimes, pain is usually what creates change to begin change to begin with. Usually so, something has to become very painful in our lives for us to make a change. Not always. However, wherever you are, just always believe you can change. Be honest with yourself. Start small, bite by bite. Start simple. Keep it sweet and simple. That's a business technique there. Keep it sweet and simple. Keep you know, life sweet, you know. I will always remember eating an elephant with a spoon. <laughs> One bite at a time. Where do I start? Which which spot on the poor elephant do I start digging my spoon into? <laughs> it could be but a it, whale. It's just something so mad. Because a lot of times we look at it and it's so big. The change is so big. Oh, it's just so much. I have to do so much. And it, it, think about the times you're sitting there an hour or two on social media. Imagine what you could have accomplished when you were looking at everybody else doing their diets. You could have been focusing six minutes of your own time, writing down one thing that I can change this week about something I eat. It can start very small, but we just want to just, we want that quick fix, that gratification. That immediate gratification has been really problematic in our society because we have so much here and we have great choices. Uh, so we can afford to do that, you know? Yeah, we're human With, beings. We're not balloons. Yeah. But uh, then when you start limiting yourself, it feels uncomfortable. And that uncomfortable feeling is still okay because nothing is gained without some sort of limitation, without some sort of pain. And that could be a muscle pain if you exercise, right? Which is fine because I noticed that uh, when I let go, when I do become so busy and busy and busy and I don't exercise, it's affecting my mental health. And we speak so much of the mental health without even understanding that simple changes of the day can make so much difference. And I noticed that when I do uh, let myself go and spend like few days or even months without exercising, uh, I reach the limit um, of feeling so bad and being burned out when I could have avoided that and just exercise even for a few minutes a day. Uh, and my body does respond, and I'm sure that other people as well respond fast to exercising. May not even be the first two times, but in about a month, you will see the difference when exercising. You will see the difference at the way that you look in a month if done consistently. And you will feel the difference. Just walking. It's a good thing that just walking. Mindfulness, mindful eating. Mindfulness overall doesn't mean you have to sit somewhere on a pillow or with your legs crossed to mindfully connect with meditation. Uh, I think meditation is great for people it works for. It doesn't work for everybody. Some people may practice other ways of mindfulness. You don't have to sit there and just be with yourself to be mindful. Being present in your moment of what you're doing and making an intention in those moments, that's mindfulness, being present. Today, I'm going to do this and following through. 
again, that's another, that's a big thing there. Follow through. Words, words are only words. Dreams are only dreams. Actions what make everything come to fruition. If you don't act on your words and you don't act on your dreams, they stay just as that. Words and dreams. You have to act. So act mindfully. Be honest. Act mindfully. <laughs> that is so true. You know, I if I could uh, share one tip uh, today, that would be the way how you start your morning. And like you said, that oh, we have to take action before you even take action. That is the lazy person's exercise, I would call it. Because before you even left the bed in the morning, you don't have to uh, immediately jump off the bed unless you have to. And you're in a rush to go to work and unless you're late. But waking up early enough to give yourself at least at least 10 minutes of uh, peaceful time can make a huge difference in the that day that you're starting already. And just even before you got out of bed, to set the intention that your day is going to be a marvelous day. Everything is going to go smoothly and nicely. You are going to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. And not only that uh, you are saying that, even in your mind, you're setting your mind subconsciously, you're programming it to the good uh, uh, day, meaning that I will be exercising. This is the plan that I have set out for myself and I'm going to get up and I'm going to do that. So from the beginning to the end of the day, it is going to be a marvelous day. You know, Sherry, I noticed every time I do it, my days are fantastic. And when I don't, something always goes wrong. And for pity's sake, why didn't I use that time in the morning before I put my feet on the floor to talk to myself? And like you said, the words are so powerful. What we say to ourselves comes true. So if you have a yeah. bad image of yourself and you say that, oh, I'm so ugly that the, uh, when will I ever lose weight or why am I so skinny or why do I look so bad and other people are so beautiful? You, that will be a self-fulfilled uh, um, prophecy. Yeah, and you will always continue to look bad, always continue to feel worse about yourself when you can just change your attitude, like you said. Right? Change, your, change attitude. your attitude. Yeah, change your own reality. It's really up to you. How you view the world is all based in, on how you view the world and what you do. I think it's very important because they say how you start your day is a determinant of the rest of your day. We're human and our brains research has shown that it's very, we have lots of plasticity. We have the ability to change and adapt and to reprogram. You can reprogram your life and you don't have to follow a rigorous program or some unrealistic senseless programs out there that may be trending on social media. You know, before you fall into the social media pool, maybe you want to do a little research on your own. There's so much information at our fingertips, even with AI, chat GPT. I'm not encouraging anybody to go find all their research on chat GPT, but you can type something in there. How do I make a food program for myself? You could type something in and it, it could give you a start of like, these are some options for, based on my knowledge, how can I help myself become better at making better food choices? We have Absolutely. enough resources at our fingertips. Enough resources and um, just simple things as adding probiotics and prebiotics into our diet. And a lot of things are 
uh, probiotics and also a lot of foods that do have probiotic effect. Yeah. Mostly uh, found in foods. In yeah. foods, that's mm -hmm. right. But you want to uh, encourage yourself to try to intake these things from foods and not supplements, if you can. If you can, absolutely. Uh, but uh, if you can't, of course, you can go and buy it and eating uh, yogurts, for example, right? That uh, that has a good uh, content of uh, probiotics. Um, mm -hmm. So that can be uh, a good first choice that we can, or a gift that we can give it to ourselves mm -hmm. to normalize the gut health for ourselves because we there is a direct uh, link between our gut and our brains and if uh, our guts are not working properly then our brains will not work properly either and we never put it together we never put it together and why that's a huge huge function uh, has a main role that plays in our mental health as well in the way that we see ourselves as well and then yeah. also eating good fats omega-3s you know uh, some time ago i uh didn't want to eat certain foods like uh meats uh, from animals that were intelligent uh that's uh, what i told myself that i would eat okay so beef i would eat uh poultry and i would eat fish and i wouldn't eat okay so i was also eating them no not beef it would be uh lamb poultry and fish <laughs> well guess what because i thought that uh, the other animals are much more intelligent so uh naturally uh, for myself i don't eat um pigs <laughs> i just don't eat that but uh, i thought some animals are more were more intelligent than others so i would just consume fish and um, lamb and then i noticed that even fish has intellect even if we say that it doesn't i was at the pond one time and there was a fish and so incredibly enough not that i was communicating with it the fish was so intelligent it would come every time and the certain tricks that i would do the fish would be like a dog repeating that and i looked at it and i thought to myself wow and i thought that the the fish only has uh, instincts and I would only eat this instinctual animals while they all may have intellect, including fish. How do plants? Everything that has a cell, everything that is living should be, I, in my opinion, sacred. I, I Like when we start categorizing things, whatever, like again, whatever helps you to feel good about yourself and what you're eating is important. But I agree, even plants are living things. They are, they are living, breathing. They're giving us the sustenance to survive as well. So maybe not on a brain sophistication as far as intellect, but it's still a living thing. It is a living thing. And if we don't respect it, uh, the trees around us or animals, uh, then uh, uh, we don't respect ourselves. We become the consumers. And our culture here is a culture of consumers. I've noticed how much food people throw away. Uh, I was completely blown away by um, the grocery stores. Restaurants. Restaurants that would throw food away instead of just sharing with other well, people. You, you can't share it because people have caused, created lawsuits, which makes it, 
it creates a boundary there was some red tape there so there are times it's when we have been able to share like catering mm -hmm. we have been able to share with certain facilities and certain sex but there comes a point in time where because you have people who make make choices to create controversy over this food it's better for the business it's not better for the business we don't want to waste anything however there you're limited to protect to ourselves absolutely to protect but sherry how also crazy I think illegal. is this Th that becomes well i don't know if that's uh, that's illegal right Probably. i don't think it's, i think there's i don't know if it's necessarily illegal and i can't say for every state but I, there may be some ramifications there as to because if it wasn't illegal, then we'd be doing it. Maybe, you know. But the more our society becomes more sophisticated, the more idiotic we become in our approach to life and humanity. Because uh, in our society, especially here in California, anybody can sue anybody. You know, the courts are absolutely packed. And you can do for anything, anything. And I remember that the, there was a case of a woman uh, suing uh, McDonald's for coffee over coffee because that actually became a realistic reasoning as to there's a good part of that as to why the lawsuit went forth with and why she she was only seeking her medical to be paid for but it became a big controversy because she was she was like uh, had like third degree burns or something it was it, it, you know it was a controversy over her suing over it and I understand where you're getting. I, but I did hear a positive side to that story. But I understand what your your point is. People are so happy. They are so happy. And at the same time, if you buy coffee, my understanding that I always, when I go to Starbucks and to other places, I would ask my coffee to be done 200 degrees and not less. And I would always feel it if it is less because I don't want to be drinking just warm coffee, slightly warm. It doesn't give me any pleasure. So I'm asking if it's possible to make hot coffee for me. And I understand. And what I've noticed is that uh, they would sometimes make it 165 degrees. I'm like, are you? I don't think me? they temper. I don't think they moderate the temperature of coffee, do they? I mean, they're. Oh they yes, they do. Oh yes, they do. Uh, do they yes, the thermometer? It is what you're saying. They or do, they and it's automatically set to certain temperature. Okay. Automatic settings. Automatic, gotcha. and sometimes I think that people are just like dumb and stupid when they are asking for certain preferences, and I'm not being outrageous with it. I just like. Well, I, I, I have never asked for my coffee to be a certain temperature. I didn't realize that was a thing well the thing is that they started to make it cooler and cooler and why because of this little problems that they're not even little problems that people can get, burn themselves and then sue them so they automatically set it to 185 sometimes it's 165 and i take it and make the first sip it's like you you gotta be kidding me uh so this is just barely warm and while they would say that, yeah, we're going to make it to 100 degrees, they're still not doing that because there are legal ramifications. And uh, now what happens that I noticed that some people, especially teenagers, are not allowed to handle the machines because they can be too hot and they cannot make your coffee manually uh, because it could burn them. So while we are uh, in this wild goose chase, chase to... Uh, improve our society to make it more efficient and better we actually we suffer we suffer here um well there's no mindfulness in certain populations of our corporate corporations i think it all comes down to mindfulness and connectedness to begin with just on the whole but if you have if you if you're generating a certain output 
that is beneficial to some and not others. And the other, the ones that it's beneficial to don't care about the others. There's no mindfulness there. It's going to be very, that change may not occur in our lifetime, but we can still talk about it. <laughs> we can still talk about it, right? We can it still hurt have the intention and the hope. <laughs> or we can change our outlook and change the way we live in the world that may not be in our favor. That's what it's all about, being mindful in your own world, your reality, and how you treat others. Unless you have that ability to change that. Now, I don't think a lot of that's out of our control. And what is our out of our control? We should just accept it. Because what? if we can't control certain things and we do want to control it would uh, raise this deep sense of dissatisfaction in us. Yeah, when the power of love outweighs the, the love of power, we'll have peace. I think Bob Marley said that. So until we can have the power of love and live on love, we're going to continue to see what we're seeing and continue just keep raising awareness about it. But just if you can just learn to practice mindfully in your life and mindful eating, take steps to, to change your diet, your mentality on food. So that way you can feel better about yourself. It's not telling people what to do. You're not sitting here saying you need to do this. You're just giving a little bit of advice We're and this is for entertainment purposes only. We're not, we're not giving medical advice. This is just, um, Food for thought. Food for thought, exactly. And if uh, there are uh, uh, concerns, health concerns, we should always consult uh, with a physician and see why we have certain problems with our bodies and then uh, just go from there, run some tests and see, okay, like maybe I should be approaching this uh, in this way, eating this foods over the other foods. Because uh, I notice also that uh, our diets uh, that... Um, our physicians, uh, actually physicians are not even talking about certain diets uh, for diabetes, for example, and even for heart conditions uh, that they would not even mention it up until I would ask about it. Uh, uh, what is the best approach? Why uh, should we be eating less of uh, saturated fats, for example, this and that? I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we should be um, changing our diet, uh, you know, let's uh, eat healthier. That's right. But no yeah. one would just come to you and just say, here, listen, change your diet and life would become better. That's right. Be mindful because we're we're going to encourage you to be mindful today because we're coming to an end. And as we conclude today, let us get ready for an exciting week ahead. We've got an engaging episode lined up to explore how to make your New, new Year's resolution stick. Whether you're a devoted Be Honest podcast listener or just curious about being goal-oriented, this episode is packed with tips to deal with procrastination and staying focused on the prize. Don't miss out. Mark your calendars for next Friday, January 12th, and join us on United Public Radio 107.7 FM as we take a ride on the roller coaster of life. This is going to be an insightful and lively discussion that you won't want to miss. Stay tuned. In the meantime, you can find us Dr. Yana and Dr. Sherry at BeHonestPodcast.com. We can hardly wait to share this journey with you, our valued listeners. As you continue going about your day or night, remember to wear a smile, be mindful, and be honest. Be mindful and be honest. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today. We will see you next time. Have a good day today. Bye-bye. <laughs>